0: This is Revive Chicago. Listen and be changed. And for the sermon this morning, I'm going to be, like I said, talking about prayer. And I'd like you to turn with me to Philippians. The book of Philippians is Paul's letter to the Philippian church. And we'll be in chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. We'll just start off reading it, and then I've got some things I want to discuss from the passage itself and about prayer. Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11, it says this, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with With the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, with this passage, one of the things that, as we discuss prayer, people ask often, like, how do you pray? What do you say? What does prayer look like? And it's a really great question. And one of the best ways to figure that out is to look and see what does God say in his word? What are what are the prayers that they prayed in the Bible? Like the apostle Paul is probably a good guy to model your prayer life after. Like I'm your pastor and I'm going to teach you how to pray and some things to say, but more than copying me, I want you to copy this guy. You know what I mean? I want you to figure out like how did Jesus pray? How did Peter pray? How did Paul pray? How can we incorporate the types of prayers that they prayed into our own lives? And you wonder sometimes when you pray, like, what do do I say? How 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 do I even talk to God? Well, go to his word and read prayers that happened in the past. Guys that obviously had answered prayer, women that obviously had answered prayer, and read their prayers and then copy them. Like, think about, like, you can hear all the kids over there singing and shouting and whatever they're doing. How do kids learn how to talk? They start out by just copying. Right? They figure things out by copying. And eventually it becomes part of who they are. And then, they, then the understanding comes. But as adults, we start to reverse it. And we start to think that I have to understand before I do. Before I pray. Before I have to, I have to know what I'm doing. The true learning process starts just by being a copycat. And then, as you copy, as you practice, then comes the understanding. And for anything, that's what makes sense. If you want to learn how to play basketball, if you want to learn ballet, if you want to learn piano, like whatever thing that you're trying to learn or grow in, what do you have to do? You have to find somebody and copy them, you got to get a teacher. And first you you mimic, right? You're not going to be playing Mozart your second day playing piano unless you're a crazy prodigy. You're going to be starting out with Mary Had a Little Lamb. You know what I mean? That's where it's like that beginning thing and you start with this little tin tin tin, right? You just push in the keys with one finger. But you got to start somewhere. You got to start at the beginning and don't be afraid to copy If you want words to say, pray the types of things that they said in the Word. Copy the right people. When we talk about prayer, I've never met someone who couldn't improve their prayer life. Myself included. Right? Like, I've never met someone that, when you ask them, like, how's your prayer life? And they go, oh, it's good. No no improvements needed here. But I've never met somebody like that. Everybody thinks that they can improve their prayer life. Now, most of us have different ideas of what that looks like, though. We think it just means more time. Like all of you in this room, I bring up prayer and you're like, yeah, I didn't pray enough. And you start to feel bad. You start this guilt trip. And now you're not even listening to my sermon. You're just feeling bad because you didn't pray enough times or enough minutes. But God doesn't have some heavenly prayer punch card thing. God's not keeping track in the way that we tend to keep track. The way that God keeps track has to do more with, you could say, quality over quantity. And most of the time, if there's good quality, quantity kind of happens on its own, doesn't it? Like When you go to a movie... If the movie's getting boring after 45 minutes, like, you're just kind of dragging the last half hour or whatever of the movie. Like, can you imagine going to a movie that's, like, three hours long and the whole thing was boring? Like, you're you're probably not going to go ever see that movie again, or maybe you're going to avoid that director or something, right? Like, when you actually set aside time for something and it doesn't meet your expectations then it starts to feel boring or you don't know what to do. And so then you start to avoid it. And when I look at prayer life and when I talk to people about their prayer life, a lot of times that's kind of what happens is they also don't feel the quality because they feel like they're by themselves. They feel like they're talking to the ceiling. They feel like nothing happens when I pray. Like maybe, Pastor, when you pray, something happens and God's glory comes down. And there's fire all around and angels are seated. and, like, But they assume, we assume, that it happens for somebody else, not for me. But you know what? There's no angels singing hallelujah when I pray. Sometimes I feel his presence, sometimes I don't. But prayer isn't about a feeling. If I make it only about a feeling, then I'm an emotional prayer. Uh-oh. And how many of you have emotions? We all have emotions, right? Even the most rational person in this room gets emotional. And We all express our emotions in different ways. But our emotions go up and down, and you feel bad, you feel good, you feel happy, you feel joyful, you feel energized, you feel tired. I wasn't talking about right now. Hopefully you all feel energized right now, right? (laughs) But when you pray, you can't let it just be subject to your emotions. You can't pray only when you feel like it. Because if you pray only when you feel like it, then what's going to happen? Is God getting the best of you? No, it's not going to be quality time. And then it's going to be really hard to get any quantity going. And wouldn't you say that that's kind of most of the prayer life for like your typical person is to pray when things get bad? Oh God, if you get me out of this one, I promise to serve you for the rest of my life. I'll dedicate my firstborn child. I'll bleed everywhere for you. Like, Like we start to just promise all of these things and say all of these things and we pray when we're desperate. But how many of you know, like, a a relationship just based simply on desperation is not good? It's not a healthy, real relationship. Think of, um, I I just, it made me think of, like, the guy who has the, the truck in his friend group. And he always gets asked to, like, can you help me move? Or, hey, I've got this fridge I need to pick up. Can you help me, right? And, like, this guy only gets calls when his truck is needed. (laughs) Right? But otherwise, nobody's calling him to hang out. Nobody's calling to, like... And pretty soon, what does he start to feel like? He starts to feel used. He starts to feel like the only reason that he's got friends is because he's got a big pickup truck that can move stuff. And... Thankfully, God's a little bit bigger than feeling used, right? Like, we could say he'll, he'll take even that sometimes. Like, if you're in a desperate spot, he's not going to leave you high and dry like, no, I told you last time was the last time I'd give you a truck, <laughs> right? God's not keeping score quite like that. But that doesn't lead to a healthy, dynamic relationship, does it? If the only time that you're praying and talking to God is when things get bad, And you're desperate. Because that's what you could call like an emotional low. And you're only talking, he's like, he starts to notice a pattern. The only time you talk to me, the only time you pray is when things aren't going right. Every time you get a flat tire, you talk to me. (laughs) Maybe God will start giving you more flat tires then. I don't know. It's like, I can get them to talk to me. They'll actually talk to me now. (laughs) That's not how it works. It's just a joke. Please don't take that. <laughs> it's like, Wow, pastor said I'm going to start getting flat tires. No, that's not how it works. But I think it's an unhealthy relationship. And then you, psychologically, you know it's unhealthy. So what do you start to do? You start to avoid. You're like, well, I don't, I've, last time I asked for something and the time before that I asked for something. And, and so then we start to avoid that relationship. That's not a healthy way to have a relationship with God, and it's definitely not the path to a dynamic prayer life. So something that we need to do is to figure out, like, how do we get disciplined in our prayer life without getting legalistic? Because one of the the things that everybody starts to hear, as soon as I start to talk about this, it's like, all right, well, how long do I have to pray? Like, should I set a timer for 15 minutes and pray for 15 minutes? Well, what if my mind wanders and I don't even make it to the 15 minutes? Do I have to start over? What if I run out of time? Like, and we start to get legalistic. It's like, I don't set it. Like, when I sit down and talk with my wife, I don't set a timer. Like, all right, Wit, you got 15 minutes. Talk to me. Like, sometimes she doesn't feel like talking. (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes I feel like talking. <clears throat> but she doesn't always feel like talking. And if I just set the timer whenever I want it, it's not going to lead to a dynamic, fruitful relationship. Right? Thankfully, God's not human. He's not limited to our, our capacity. Right? Like, God's got a lot more to give than a normal human relationship. But it is a relationship. So, if you're the type of person that writes things down, this is something you need to remember. Prayer is relational. So, we've got quality over quantity, and prayer is a relationship. It's got to be. It's got to be based on a relationship. You've got to talk to him like it's an actual relationship, like he's another being that is part of your life. And the nice thing is, he can read your thoughts. So sometimes when you're feeling, you know that feeling when you're like in a crowd, but you feel really alone? You can talk to him. You can talk to him anytime, anywhere, any moment of your day, you can talk to God. I'm kind of teasing us all about the emotional lows, but you know what? You have emotional lows. Who better to talk to? Who better to talk to when you're feeling down? Talk to God. But talk to Him during your emotional highs too. Talk to Him when you're having good days, when you're having bad days. My relationship with my wife is built over years and years of emotional highs and lows, of good days and bad days, facing them together. Quality time and quantity of time. And that's what builds the relationship. So as we look forward to 2023 and we start to say, Revive Chicago, let's build a, a, a dynamic prayer life. Well, What does that, what does that look like? And you know what? Maybe, maybe we do. Maybe we need to set a timer. Maybe during your commute to work. What if every day during your commute to work, you spent that time praying? What would that do? You're like, well, I work from home. Well, then from the bedroom to the hallway to the office, <laughs> no. But like, what can you do to implement regular prayer? Because how many of you know, if you don't have time set aside for something, it usually doesn't happen because life gets busy. There's so many demands on us today. There's so many things trying to get our attention. If you don't have time set aside, it probably isn't going to happen. Some of you you need to start your day. You need to wake up and you need to pray. Set aside a few minutes, 15, 5 minutes, 15 minutes, like start somewhere. If you're going if you're going, if you're at 0 now, then 5 minutes can change your life. Because you're starting that relationship. But if you're at 5 minutes, for 2023, you need to increase it. Maybe you need to move up to 10 minutes or 15 minutes where you're setting aside some time. You're making it happen. Because if you don't set aside the time, it's not going to happen. And we've all been there. We've all had days that just get away from us. So you got to implement you got to purposely say, I'm going to pray during this time. But the nice thing about prayer is, like I said, you can talk to God anytime. You can verbalize it out loud. You can talk in your head. You don't have to go very long without prayer. One of my favorite sayings, and many of you have heard me say it, is this guy, this famous preacher was asked one time, how many hours a day do you pray? Because, you know, this guy's holy, he's healed people, and, like, this guy, he must spend, like, 8, 10, 12 hours a day praying just interceding, talking to God. And you know what he said? He said, I never pray more than half an hour, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. What is that? Well, it's another way to phrase it. There's a scripture that says pray without ceasing. It's just another way of saying it, but it's helpful to me. Like I I often, I think, if I'm going to preach that prayer is relational, then one of the best ways to talk about it is like my relationship with my wife. And we check in throughout the day. Every so often, we're shooting a text. Making a phone call. And sometimes, like when you have like a real relationship, you know how they, in the movies, and like the people just hang up, they don't even say bye. Like when you have real relationships with people, you can have 30-second talks because you know you're going to talk again soon. You don't have to cover everything. I think that's one of the other things. is like when you've gone four or five days without praying, what do you do? You feel like, oh, I have to talk about so much. I have to catch up with them. I've got all these requests piled up. And then what do you do? You avoid it again. And pretty soon that four days turns into eight days. And it gets overwhelming. Well, what if you checked in at any point of the day, all throughout the day, and you talked to God, and you treated it like an actual relationship? I can promise you, your prayer life is going to come alive. And your, your energy will increase. Your focus will increase because you're involving God all the time throughout your day. You go through different, like, when you're at work. Maybe some of you are in school. Like, all of us are facing different things. Involve God in it. Make him part of it. Pray and talk to him. Now, I read this verse a while back, and then I just started preaching at you. But with this verse, it kind of models some of the things that we want to say. And I remember, you know, just being a kid and a friend of mine, we, we brought this neighbor kid to church and he got saved. And then he's asking us, like, we're giving him a Bible and he's asking us where to, where to read, what to read. He's asking us how to pray, how to talk to God. And I remember like, I've told this story with you guys before, but I remember telling him, well, just talk to him like a friend. Like, how would you talk to a friend? And remember, like, this kid had never been to church or anything, so he just kind of paused, and he's like, you mean, like, right now? I was like, yeah, just talk to him right now. And he, there's this, like, pause, and then he just, what up, big G? (laughs) And I imagine the angels fell off of the staircase, you know? Like, they're all just laughing. Like, God has a sense of humor, too. And we make it, like, it's got to be so pious, and... You add in all of these, Lord, Father, God, Lord, Father, God, help me, hear me. Like, and we add in these, these words. You got to get an amen and a hallelujah in there, you know. But like, you don't talk like that in a normal, like when you talk normally, I don't hear any of you say hallelujah, amen. Nobody says that. Except when they're talking to him. Why? We add in all of this so-called pious language. And you're really just muddying up the waters and confusing yourself because that's not how you have a relationship. None of your interpersonal relationships work that way. Maybe when you hear a random testimony and you text back and you're like, praise the Lord or hallelujah or something. But like in general, nobody's talking like that. And so we, we get this idea that we have to talk to him a certain way with certain flowery language. But what if you just talk to him like you talk to your friends? And maybe you can still address him as Lord. You can still pray in the name of Jesus. Right? I'm not saying to remove all of it, but it doesn't have to be every other word. You know, it's like the valley girls who like, like this and like, like, like that happened and then this like happened and you know, they just like is in certain. we just got these filler words. Like people do that when they pray. When we think we need to add in this language. It's not helping you. It makes you avoid it because you feel weird. You feel like you're being fake. And God's like, yeah, it's kind of fake. I know you don't talk like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So don't feel like you have to posture with him. You don't don't need to impress him. He knows you. And he wants you to know him. He wants you to develop a relationship with him. And so Paul, in this passage, he says, This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So what do you do with that? Well, when you pray, you can pray for your friends. You can pray for your pastor. I'll take all the prayer I can get. You can pray for yourself and say, God, pray that your love may abound in me. I pray that your love would abound in Bernsey. I pray that your love would abound in Dominic. I pray that your love would abound in Frankie. I pray that your love would abound in Tati. Pray that the love of God would abound in us. Pray for more knowledge and more depth of insight, a greater understanding. God, help me to be able to discern what is best. Look, I mean, you can just, you're going through this line by line, right? How do I pray? What do I say? Paul's got a prayer right here for us. Help me. Help me to discern. Help me to see what's best. And we face a lot of decisions throughout our day we're constantly trying to figure out, like, what's best? What do I do? What do I say here? How do I do the best work? How do I pick this job? How do I pick this car? How do I pick a spouse? God, I want to be pure and blameless until you come back. Pure and blameless. God, purify my heart. Root out the sin, the darkness, the evil thoughts. The confusion. Purify me. Make me blameless. You didn't even know. You just thought you were stuck in sin. But God turned turned sinners into saints. And in Christ, you have a new identity. So when you pray, you don't pray from this posture of a groveling sinner. God, forgive me again. What if you pray as someone being made blameless? What if, what if you could go a whole day without sinning once? Like, have you ever, have you ever considered that? Well, that's part of this prayer. Make, make me blameless. I, I believe it can happen. I believe you can go a whole week without sinning. Wouldn't that be amazing? Nothing to feel bad about for a whole week. You'd be on cloud nine. And for those of you who can't make it a whole week without sinning, his mercy is new every morning, right? Thank, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but like praying with that mindset, purify me, make me blameless. Well, in this prayer, suddenly you start to see God's character and nature. You're like, this is a relationship I want to have. I'm going to have. I'm going to start having better days the more pure and blameless I am. And I'm not going to constantly feel this cycle of, of feeling down or feeling like I'm so full of sin and so overwhelmed and so dark. God's actually working a process in me and he's making me more like Jesus. Verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness Most of us think of the fruit of the Spirit. There's also the fruit of righteousness. What is righteousness? Right living. And there's there's two sides to righteousness. Okay? So we just talked about that pure and blameless life. But there's also the righteousness that comes from Christ. And most of us forget that in the day to day. Because we're so focused on ourselves and our lack of righteousness. Like fruit of righteousness. (laughs) I ain't got much. But you know what? If you're in Christ, what does he say? You are righteous. If you're in Christ, he says you are righteous. That's powerful. And what righteousness What righteousness are we getting? We're getting his righteousness. Like in our day, one of the popular things is to identify as something. And people like identify as, well, they're identifying as animals now. And they're identifying as Republican or Democrat. And like everything's about identity. You hear people constantly talking about identity. But you know what? The Bible did it first. The Bible did it best. It said you get to identify with Christ. And when you identify with Christ, you become a new person. You become a changed person. You take on his righteousness. That's powerful. So when you pray, you get to pray and talk like that? Yeah. That's going to lead to some quality prayer time, isn't it? Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. It's only through him. It comes through him. But most of us, we're focused on ourselves. And what does what the spirit of the age teach us? You can't scroll on Facebook or Instagram for 18 and a half seconds without seeing, look inside yourself, the power is within you, just be you. Like there's so many various ways that society has told us this and pushed this message and said, you've got the power within you. You can do it. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says you can't do it. You can't do it. You don't measure up. But here, take the identity of Jesus. Here, take his blamelessness. Here, take his righteousness. It's now yours. You don't have to conjure it up. You don't have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You don't have to make it happen. You become one with him. You become connected to him. It changes everything. So quality over quantity. Prayer is relational. And another thing you need for prayer life is persistence. You just need to keep showing up. You just need to keep showing up. Whether things are good or bad, you just keep showing up. You've got to start, like, I've got an appointment with God. I've got a relationship with God. I'm connected to Him. There's nothing that I can do to mess this up. just got to keep showing up. And most of you in this room have heard messages on consistency or persistence. You've heard talks maybe talking about just keep showing up. But you've also been around long enough to see there's a difference between the people who just keep showing up and the people who don't. There's a difference. Sometimes that's the only difference. But you keep showing up even when you've messed up, even when you don't measure up, you just keep showing up, it's going to start to set you apart. It's going to make you distinct and you can't help but change. And a lot of times, like, you know, as a pastor, I'm talking about showing up on Sunday. Like, just show up. Just be here. Set some time aside and make sure Sunday's important. Right? But we all know there's six other days of the week. You've also got other smaller, we could say smaller appointments with God. If we could say Sunday's the culmination of your prayer life all week. You've got to show up for your prayer time. You've got to show up for your prayer life. Scripture says that when God created Adam and Eve, he came and walked with them in the cool of the day. So even before the fall, before sin came into the world, God and Adam and Eve had an appointment. God showed up. Now imagine this for a moment. Because most of us, when we talk to God, we're we're relating to him and connecting to him based on our sin. We start out with this need for forgiveness. We start out with how bad we are. We've got this mentality and we feel this shame and this guilt. What did Adam and Eve talk with God about? They hadn't ever messed up. There there was no sin yet. She hadn't grabbed that fruit from the tree yet and eaten it. What was that relationship like? What did they talk about? What would you and God talk about if you didn't talk about your sin? That's a cool thought. And this is the part where I'm encouraging us as Revive Chicago to have a more dynamic prayer life. Because you've got to get past just talking about your sin. Now, your sin is there, right? You've got to ask forgiveness. You've got to talk to him about it. I'm not saying ignore it and pretend like it's not there. Okay? Okay? But I'm also saying that that's not the only thing. That's not what your relationship is solely based on. Your relationship with him is based on more than that. That's why it says that he's declared you righteous. That you can have the fruit of righteousness in your life. Because there's more to talk about than just your sin, just your past, just the guilt, just the pain. There's more to talk about. But most of us have never even considered that. What about the good? What about your future? What about the things that he wants to do in your life? What if you can move past the feeling bad and talk to him about the good? Every single one of you in here We're made to know your creator. You know how I know that? Because you exist. It's as simple as that. You exist, which means he created you. He put you on this earth. He wants to know you. How, How awesome is that? Like the God who made the mountains, the God who made the rivers, these beautiful displays and landscapes that take our breath away, the God that created humanity and all of the animals, the God who set the cosmos into existence and spun the world around and set the moon and stars in their place. That God wants to know you and have a personal relationship with you. You exist because he made you and he wants to know you. He wants to have that relational connection. That's what prayer is. At its core level, that's what prayer is it's that connection with him. So you've got to pray in the good times and you've got to pray in the bad times because you're praying out of relationship. Not out of emotion. So, as I was thinking about this message, and I think there's also, like, I'm giving you a lot of pointers and a lot of tips and hopefully some things to think about, but there's also just the very practical level like, what do I say? How do I pray? How do I get started? How do I build this relationally? And one of the things that's really memorable is to pray for the presence of God, the power of God, and the people of God. The three Ps. The presence of God, the power of God, and the people of God. So when you start to pray, you don't start always based out of your sin. You pray for His presence. If you hear me pray a lot in church You hear me pray over a meal. You hear me pray over a gathering. A lot of times at some point in in that prayer, and usually at the beginning, I'm going to pray for his presence. Because I want God here. I want to know he's here. I want him to be invited. To feel invited. To feel welcome. To have the mindset like, yeah, you're here, but the reason you're all here and you're sitting where you're sitting is because we want his presence in this room. And we want to be connected to him. So you start out praying for the presence of God to be made manifest, to be real, to to let him know he's welcome. Because, I mean, let's think about it just from um, a natural, even human standpoint. How many of you go or feel comfortable showing up to a party where you weren't invited? Not very many people. There's a couple of you in here that might be like the wedding crasher type or something where you're just going to show up. It doesn't matter. You're going to do what you want. But like most people don't show up where they aren't invited. And if prayer is relational, if talking to God is relational, we go through a lot of our day without inviting him into it. Let's just be kind of brutally honest, right? Like there's a lot of parts of our day that we have not invited him into. Like what if you woke up in the morning and at least did that? You invited him to be part of your day. You woke up, your feet touched the floor and you say, God, be with me today. Let me know that you are near. Guide my steps. Guard my thoughts. Be with me. And you invite him. Like just that, just that simple mental change, right? Suddenly you become more aware that he's around. It might help you avoid some pitfalls. Like, would I do this? Would I say this in front of the big guy? <laughs> you know, like we live so much of our life unaware of the being that is so obviously around and near. He doesn't just force himself into your life. He doesn't just come and take over. Most of the time it's pretty subtle, isn't it? But what if you started to do that and you pray, you talk to him and you tell him, I want your presence near, I want you to be close. And it's kind of simple. We make it so complicated. But you don't have to do some abracadabra prayer to get God to show up. You just got to invite him. Because he's not pushy. Unless you invite him to be pushy. Sometimes I tell God, I want you to be pushy with me. Help me, because I'm hard-headed. <laughs> I'll miss things. And the power of God. So you pray, you start praying for the presence of God. And what about the power of God? Well, the power of God is the presence made manifest. Right? When the power of God is there, the Scripture describes it sometimes as the power of God was was there to heal the sick, or the power of God brings forth the miracles. The power of God changes hearts and minds. Like no matter how charismatic you are, you're not going to change hearts and lives and minds with your your with just your smile. Like you want to carry the presence and power of God with you. The ability to shift the atmosphere to shake someone's hand and there's, they, there's something different. There's something different. I met this Carolina girl and there was something different about her. I want to be around her more. And people, people feel that, people sense that. And So you expect the power of God to be made manifest in your life. And it works miracles. It works signs. It it brings the presence of God. It changes people's hearts and lives. It brings fruitfulness to your finances, fruitfulness to your relationships. It changes you. You pray for the people of God. There's some of you in this room that don't, you don't even realize that there's someone praying for you. But what if we stepped it up? What if we all had that expectation that we were all praying for each other? That's going to lead to a great church where people actually pray. Where Matt actually likes Brendan enough to take a few moments out of his day and pray. You know what I mean? And it can change things. And Brendan doesn't even know what's happening. And then he starts praying for Matt. On a regular basis. And starts changing things. What if we were praying for each other? For the people of God? And we could pray verses like this. God help Matt be more blameless. <laughs> he needs it, Lord. <laughs> Help him out. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like praying for someone else's blamelessness. Praying for someone else's righteousness. Praying that someone else's love would abound. And it starts to shift your heart for people. Because some of us have a hard time with other people. And people have hurt us. But I, I can promise you. If you can if you pray for people you will have a heart for people. If you're having a hard time with someone in this room, if you start to pray for them, God can help shift your heart toward them. If you've got a family member that you struggle with, if you've got a coworker that's not what if they're not even a believer, what if they're not a Christian, but you start praying for that cubicle Next to you, it'll change your heart toward them. And it will change them. What does that look like? So praying for the presence of God, the power of God, and the people of God. That's super easy. When you come to pre-service prayer, that's probably one of the first things that we're going to learn and do. We're going to show up and we're going to pray. For this service, we're going to pray the presence of God, the power of God, and the people of God. And another good way to learn how to pray is to pray the Psalms. Find a Psalm and pray the words of David, the words of Asaph. And a lot of them were set to music. Some of you are more musical than others. What if, you, what if you, during your prayer time, you turn on some worship music and let that just create an atmosphere in your home? One of the things I was thinking about is with the Psalms, like, like okay, well, there's 150 of them and not all of them feel like they pertain to me, <laughs> right? So to just make it really easy and memorable, I was, I was looking at it in an, What if you prayed, what if you looked up Psalm 20, Psalm 30, Psalm 40, and Psalm 51? You're like, why not 50? Because 51 is (laughs) better for what this is. But Psalm 20 is a great psalm when you're like in distress. If you're feeling overwhelmed... Psalm 20 is a great psalm to go to and just declare those words, pray those words, sing those words. Psalm 30 is also good. So if you're like, Psalm 20 wasn't enough. I need need some more. I'm overwhelmed. I am having a bad day. Psalm 30 is also good. If you're feeling overwhelmed, Psalm 20 for distress, Psalm 30 for being overwhelmed, Psalm 40 for for that connection with him building that connection. Go look up Psalm 40, read it, say it out loud. And I know, like, for me, this feels like old hat. But for some of you, this, is, this might feel a little awkward. And so you go and you, you turn the pages of your Bible, you scroll there in an app on your phone, and you pull up Psalm 40. And I'm, I'm telling you literally, read the Psalm out loud. Don't just read it in your head. Actually verbalize it and read it out loud. And don't don't do it all mousy. Like, Lord. uh," Like, actually, actually declare it. Speak it with some strength. Sometimes we get so timid in our prayers. And again, it's because you're uncomfortable, because you're just getting started, because you feel awkward. I'm tell, God does not feel awkward. He's loving it. He's loving the engagement. He's loving the relationship. He's like, all right, they're gonna begin something new. They're gonna talk to me now on a regular basis. You know, I've got, I've got three little girls over there, and they're they're six, four, and two. I still can't understand half of what my two-year-old says. But I love it when she talks to me. You might when you first start praying, you might talk in circles. You might keep doing the Lord Father God's even though I didn't tell you, I told you not to. Like, you might talk in circles. You might babble on and on. God's happy you're talking with Him. Start somewhere. Begin somewhere. Don't overthink. Just start talking. And I know for some of you, this is going to feel awkward. This is going to feel weird. You're, it's it's going to feel uncomfortable. But you've got to put yourself in this uncomfortable spot for just a couple weeks until it becomes a normal part of your life. And as soon as you do it a couple times, I promise you it'll start to feel more normal. So you pick up Psalm 40 and read it out loud. Say the words out loud. Let let the demons and, let the, demons and the angels hear your voice. Declare things into the airwaves. Maybe you need to yell it. I I promise you, God can handle your emotions. He created those too. And Psalm 51, it's a great psalm for forgiveness. I've kind of joked about sin and darkness and evil and the times we mess up. But there's a psalm for that too. And one of the prayers in one of the one of the lines in Psalm 51, David says, Create in me a clean heart, God. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. You just hear that heart cry, God, create in me a clean heart. I want to be clean again. I, I know I messed up. I know I did wrong. But I want to renew that relationship. You want to know what I like best about Psalm 51? Is David modeled us, modeled for us what to do when we sin? Most of you, I'll actually include my most of us, our natural reaction when we mess up is to avoid. Like God's kind of the last one you want to talk to because you feel dirty. And so we avoid. But what David does is he messes up big time. This wasn't, this is a sin that we would get, we would throw someone in prison for today. <laughs> for life. David's, David messed up big time. And instead of running from God, he ran to God. This is another one of those aspects of our prayer life that we, we get backwards. And so we avoid, like, we feel sinful, so we avoid prayer. We avoid the one that can help us out of it. So David models for us in Psalm 51. Go and read it. He modeled for you what do you do when you pray? What do you do when you mess up? What happens when, when there's sin? Because your internal tendency is, I sinned. God is going to want to have nothing to do with me. There's a, there's a passage in uh, the New Testament where Peter literally falls on his knees and tells Jesus, Get away from me. I'm a sinful man. How many of you have ever felt like that? I felt like that. <laughs> right? Like, God, I don't, like, don't I know I'm supposed to be in your presence, but I don't want to be in your presence right now. I feel really dirty. But actually, that's the best thing for you, that's the antidote. That's the thing that fixes it. That's the thing that sets your path straight. So Psalm 20, Psalm 30, Psalm 40, Psalm 51. I don't know why the editors couldn't have just flipped them and put 51 into 50. and This would have been really cool. Maybe it'll actually be more memorable. So today as I close... We're going to jump back up to verse 3. We've been in Philippians chapter 1. And in verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership with the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion. Until the day of Christ Jesus. I want you to know, as your pastor, that I pray for you with joy. When I think of you, I think of you with joy. I don't know, I just, I felt led to say that to you. Like sometimes... You you think the pastor sees right through you, sees all the sin, like, oh, he's a spiritual person, he knows what's going on inside. And maybe I do, maybe I don't. Maybe God reveals things to me at times and maybe he doesn't. But in my prayers, I'm not praying. God judge them. Judge those sinners in my congregation. Like, I'm not praying prayers like that. <laughs> I'm praying with joy. I'm remembering you in my prayers with with fondness. I want to see you grow. I, I see what God has for you. The future that he has for you. And it says that he's going, I'm confident that he will carry on that work in you to completion. And all of you are at different stages. Some of you have been walking with God for 10 plus years. And some of you, this is all really new still. And you're like, I really needed this sermon on prayer because it's awkward between me and God. (laughs) But I'm confident he began a good work in you. He began a good work in you. And you thought you had to complete it. But he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. He's doing the work. He began the work. He's doing the work now and he's going to complete the work. You got to just kind of let him do it. Some of you, you're, you're, you're getting in the way. You're overthinking. You're overanalyzing and you're stuffing, you're making the relationship feel all stuffy and weird. God just wants to know you And be connected with you. I promise you that just like Paul. God is going to carry on that work to completion. He's going to finish what he started. He's working in you. Even when you don't think he's working in you. Even when you've messed up. Even when you've gone days, weeks without praying. He's still working. Because he began that work in you. He started something. And now he's stirring something in you. But it's up to you to start it over, we could say. Like you go home today and you actually pray. And you wake up Monday morning. Before your feet hit the floor, you've already talked to God. Maybe it was 10 seconds, but you talked to him. You invited him into your day. You're connected with your creator. It's powerful. This is the beginning of something powerful. 2023 is going to be different if you will do this. Your life will be different. Your emotions will be more stable. God will be in your life. You will feel his presence. You will know where you can become confident. Like, okay, that's nice, Pastor, that you feel confident for me, but I don't feel confident for me. But this is the scripture. What's more true? This word or your feelings about it? His word. His word is more true. What I'm declaring over you, this thing that I'm confident in, why am I confident in it? Because his word says it. And so no matter how bad you mess up this prayer life thing in the, in 2023, he's still working. I know human nature well enough to know you're probably not going to just go and be the next Billy Graham because of your prayer life. But this could start that process. And 2023 can be different. And you can feel like you actually know God and you're connected with him. Doesn't that sound good? I think it sounds awesome. He's carrying on the work. He's going to complete it. So would you stand with me? Now, as I pray, I want to kind of pray, we could say a closing prayer, praying some of the sermon over us. But I also wanted to take an opportunity because There there might be a couple other prayer requests in the room. But even just, like I've been wanting to talk to you guys about this for a few weeks, talking about prayer. But then there's things that happen in life where prayer is really, really needed. And things go wrong, things go bad, things go sour, things out of your control. And you didn't even mess up. Something bad just happens. And, like, in in our own life, like, Whitney and I, our little niece just had a huge surgery. And she's in the middle of it probably right now. So I was going to have Whitney get up and just share a little bit. But I wanted to take some time to practice this prayer. Because I've given us a lot of pointers, a lot of things to think about. You can come on up. But then we have to actually do it, right? We have to actually start to pray and use our words and talk out loud. But when a little child's life is at risk, it's a little bit easier sometimes. So we're gonna pray for our little Adeline. She's our our niece. Whitney's probably gonna give some more details and just walk us through some prayer. And so I just wanna invite you to pray along with us, to pray for Adeline and to start practicing this new mentality. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for working on our behalf. Thank you for paying the price on the cross so that we could be healed and expect healing. Thank you for making us right before you, for forgiving us of our sin and washing us clean. Thank you for making a way for us to connect with you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening today. Now it's time to put your faith into action by applying this word to your life. If you'd like help taking your next steps with Jesus, contact us at revivechicago.church.